So uh, last Sunday was Serve Sunday, and I thought it went extremely well. Thank you for those that committed to serve and then were there and part of that experience with Innovation Church here locally in our, our community as we served some of the elderly folks in our community. I really believe that it was a blessing and that it uh, went well. Thank you for doing that. And um, sent out a brief survey. If you didn't get that, let me know. I'd like to uh, just get your input on how we can make adjustments and do things better. The next Serve Sunday that we're going to commit to with uh, actually with Innovation Again is on April 30th. So you might just jot that down, put that on your calendar. And again, we will be making uh, more, get more information to you about that as we go along. Welcome Pastor Jared and Shannon and Levi. And is Levi and Silas here? No. Okay. So just Pastor Jared and Shannon. And uh, it's good to have them in the house today. Kind of a surprise visit. Grateful for that. As well, should have had him preach since I'm talking on money today. Tithing and giving. I mean, why not? Pass it off. It's fun, isn't it? How many of you would say, I have a giving, tithing testimony. I can just testify to the faithfulness of God in my life where finances have been concerned. All right, there's a handful of you, man. God is faithful, amen? And, and again, I just want to go back to just a little bit of our experience this week. We've been praying over and over on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings just about just God just doing some amazing things. And we had some miraculous things happen in the last several weeks. Now, I want to tell you, I don't, I don't want to just kind of stretch this a little bit, but Evelyn really is a miracle. It was a split-second decision that the doctor made to go ahead and take her out when he did, she did. And it was a miracle, literally, that, that there was not any further stress. And it was just, it was just a miracle. And so, you know, we just... How many of us know and see, you know, God is moving, right? And it may not feel like it sometimes. You press in, press hard, and nothing happens, and all of a sudden there's that breakthrough, right? God is faithful. He's always faithful. So how did we end up last week? Anybody remember? What is it? Seek ye first and his righteousness. And some of you were irritated with it because I sang it several times last week. Matthew 6, 33. Let's look at it. You may have a tablet. You may have a phone. You may have a hardback. Either way, it's right here. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Today, I want to talk to you about priorities. Before we get there, I just want to make a brief note about the thing that you have, the half sheet that you have. In your hand, on one side is the priorities, on the other side is my one word. If you have not gotten your word yet from the Lord, please continue the process. Don't slough it off. Don't ignore it. I really encourage you to do that. I believe God is going to use that in your life and maybe others in this church. And who knows, maybe you might encounter God in a very special way when you find that word for you personally. That spoken word or that written word from God that just kind of just tells you, man, the Lord really gave this to me, I know. What's the word for our church? What is it? What is it? We found it out of Luke chapter 24. It's where the two disciples had left the Passover weekend and they were headed home to Emmaus. And all of a sudden Jesus appears and so he's talking with them and they're discussing all these events that went on that weekend. And then he began to share the scriptures and re revealed himself to them and their hearts burned within them and they couldn't wait to go tell somebody about it. 
I am praying for you and I'm praying for us and I'm praying for this church that we will have multiple encounters in this coming year. That we will have multiple encounters with God in this coming year. Wow. That we will have multiple encounters with God this coming year. I hope so. I mean, really, I'm serious. I mean, if we're that kind of blase about it, he's not going to probably sneak up on you. I hope that we will have multiple encounters with God this year. Amen? Amen. Thank you. So let's talk about priorities for a second. On that note sheet, you have on one side my one word, on the other side, priorities. If I were to ask you to list the top five priorities in your life right now, what would they be? Maybe to finish school. That's a priority. I want to get out of school. I want to graduate on time. And I want to get good grades. Your career. Maybe there's some things that you're you're doing in your career and you have a priority. Maybe you have a priority to have a million dollars in the bank by the time you're 50. Yeah. Done past that. Done missed that. Don't have that t-shirt. What are your priorities? not like a resolution, not trying to go back to January. It's not even like a to-do list. I make to-do lists all the time. Yellow notepads. I mean, I'm old school. Yellow notepads everywhere. and make a to-do list. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about priorities. I'm also talking about values because your values and your priorities are tied together. You prioritize what you value. What you value, priorities come out of. I don't know if you heard this when you were growing up. I did. I had multiple coaches and, and just even just adults in my life. And I heard this. I don't know if me, any of you did. But, hey, son, you better get your priorities in order. Anybody hear something along that line? Girl, you better get your priorities in order. Well, a lot of what they were trying to say is there's something out of line. And you need to get it in line in terms of importance and value. You want to make this basketball team? You better get your priorities in order. You better hustle. You better do such and such. So what are priorities? I'm just going to do a couple definitions to kind of pull some things together. Priorities are defined as things that are regarded as more important than other things. So something that's a high priority is more important to us, so we give it more attention and more care. What are values? Values are kind of like those must-haves. They're, they're like a compass. They're like direction for our lives. We value certain things, and that helps to give us direction. There are fundamental beliefs in our lives, whether we realize it or not, that are values, and we prioritize out of our values. Take, for example, here at Elston Family Church, we have core values. Those core values are, some of them, faith, our family, genuine community, the Bible, worship and prayer, the local church. These are just a handful of the core values that we have. But if I say to you that I value the Bible and the Word, the Word which is alive and active, and it forms a guidance for us in our daily living, we teach it, we preach it, we live it. If I say I value the Bible, but yet I don't spend any time in the Bible, there's something wrong. Because what I value, I prioritize. It flows out of what's important to me. And then there's, th- there's this thing called alignment. Alignment is like the position of agreement. It's where the two fit together. So the, this is the issue and this is the thing to think about. 
Is what I am doing, the decisions I'm making and the values and priorities of my life, are they in line with who I really am? Now this takes me back to a couple weeks ago when we had sanctity of life. Remember that? We're created in the image of God, the image and likeness of God. And those Hebrew words, image and likeness, have an understanding for us that simply says we are God on the earth. We are the representation of God on this earth. We are the likeness of God walking around on this earth. Genesis 1. So if I'm the representation of God, does what I value and what is important I say is my priorities, do they match up and do they reflect that I am an agent and representation of God here on this earth? Jesus taught about priorities all throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But he especially focused on them in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. In that sermon that he spent, probably I would say that took him maybe a good hour, hour plus, maybe two hours to teach and preach. By the way, they didn't have clocks then, and they really didn't care. They were hungry for the word. They were hungry to be taught. They were hungry to know the way of life. And so Jesus taught them. He taught them about the the kingdom of God. And and in the Beatitudes, we see this flipped upside down picture of the kingdom of God. And then he went on and he showed us how that, that kingdom of God would operate in our lives. He taught us about anger. He taught us about adultery. He taught us about divorce. He taught us about revenge. He also taught us about love for our enemies. He taught us about money and possessions, which we'll get to here in a minute. He taught us about giving to the needy. He talked about prayer and fasting. He taught us not to judge. He taught us about what true discipleship really is. And ultimately, he taught us how to build our lives on a solid foundation when the winds of adversity come against us. Right in the middle of chapter 6 is where this verse is sandwiched. He spends considerable amount of time talking about money and possessions. And it's towards the end of that, chapter 6, is where he says, But seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you. So what is the kingdom of God? We hear the phrase throughout the New Testament, like I said, Jesus taught it. It's a lot in the Gospels. Kingdom of God really is the reign and rule of God. It's the reign and the rule of God in our hearts. In other words, we are the agent of the kingdom of God. We are the representation of God here on earth. Does that sound familiar? Didn't we just hear that in Genesis 1? You're created in the likeness and image. And Jesus is now coming and preaching and saying, you are carrying the kingdom of God in your hearts. You are the agent and representation of God here on this earth. That's why Jesus prayed and taught the disciples in the model of prayer, uh, model prayer to say, kingdom of God, come, will of God be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come in our lives as it is in heaven. So the perfection of heaven, the forgiveness, the love, the grace, the everything that is perfect in heaven, that it would be manifested through our lives here on this earth. This gospel. Grace, love, forgiveness, reconciliation, that brings in the rule and the reign of God. 
So last week, real quickly, we talked about that the kingdom, This you didn't hear this last week, but ultimately the kingdom of God is expressed through the mission of Jesus that we talked about last week of serve, give, invite, and love. Serving, giving, inviting, loving. Real quickly, I just want to review those so we have this framework. Last week we started with serve because we were talking about serving that day. It was a good platform for us to use. We serve today. We serve tomorrow. We always serve. We look for ways to serve. We don't come to church to be served, but we come to church to serve because that's the model and the mission of Jesus. I come not to be served, but I come to serve. We saw examples of that even with his disciples multiple times. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he got down on his hands and knees and he washed the disciples' feet. Giving. We give today. We give tomorrow. We don't stop giving. We continue to give because that's the mission of Jesus. He gave his life so that we could have life. And what we know throughout scripture is God blesses his people when they give to the kingdom. When we serve and we give, God blesses. And when he blesses, he opens up more opportunities. And as I said last week, God uses you and I to finance his kingdom projects. He wants to know, can I trust you with the plans and purposes I have for you? Will you trust me to use your finances to build those projects and further those kingdom projects? Invite. Jesus was always inviting He was always inviting people into a new life, into transformation, into a changed life. Jesus spent time all the time inviting, inviting, inviting. Come see. Come be a part. And I encourage you and I encourage us this year. Never stop inviting because you never know when somebody's going to say yes. Amen. And then loving. Always looking for the one. That was his mission to seek and save that which is lost. Always looking for the downtrodden, the outcast, someone that most people bypass and walk beyond. So, real quickly, there's so many examples in the New Testament, like I said, in the Gospels, of the kingdom and what it looks like. We're going to look at two real quickly. Luke chapter 13. What does the kingdom of God look like? So Jesus was always talking about the kingdom. He was always always illustrating the kingdom. He was always advancing the kingdom, which again is the rule and the reign of God in your life on this earth. It's allowing God to do what he wants. It's a full surrender if you really want to know the truth. So how did he describe the kingdom? Again, just a couple examples of several. Jesus said, what's the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. You know what a mustard seed looks like, right? If I had one on my fingertips, you wouldn't be able to see it from where you are. And what about yeast? That's the next example. Yeast is even smaller. And he says, what else is the kingdom of God like? It's like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated throughout the dough. And what Jesus was trying to do in these two examples is he was trying to say something like this. What you look at as small in the kingdom can be great. What what you look at as insignificant 
in the kingdom can be greatly significant. What you look like is just something that you might even brush away and toss aside. It can actually permeate the whole process of what you're doing. The kingdom of God is what is in us and is what we do with what's in us that makes the difference. So as we said, the priority of the kingdom the priority of the kingdom was Jesus' mission, and part of Jesus' mission was serving. We talked about that. So, again, I need to think about last week and, and, and all the effort that went into last week. And, and then some of us spanned out, and we went to the nursing homes, and we served, and we served, and we served. And we walked by, and maybe the only thing that we did was say hello or touch a hand. Do you know that that's a mustard seed? That we cannot look at that and say, well, that was no big deal. I mean, after all, I just touched her hand. It's not that big a deal. We do not know what God might do with that seed of faith and obedience. Are you guys with me this morning? I mean, did, do I, was it the ball game yesterday and knocked everybody off their tail? To, I mean, I know we don't have any IU fans in here. So, I mean, it'd have to be all boiler up or boiler down. Priority of the kingdom is also giving, which is where we are landing. I want to go back to Matthew 6.33. If we seek the kingdom of God, if we seek the kingdom of God, if we seek that God, you rule in my reign and reign in my life. You rule and you reign in my life. You have full control of my life. I want to live the way Jesus lived on this earth. I want to follow the mission of Jesus. I want to live out the passion and compassion of Jesus. I want to be an agent of God. I want to be a representation of his likeness here on earth. Well, what is God like? He's love. He's joy. He's peace. He's patient, long-suffering. He's kind. He's good. He's gentle. I want to be that. It's probably why Jesus took the time to teach about anger and revenge, huh? To illustrate what the opposite looks like and what the kingdom should look like. I want you to give me some space here as we talk about this. You know, like I said in chapter 6, Jesus spent... The most considerable amount of time talking about giving possessions and money. This is his first sermon out of the gate, Matthew 5 through 7, Sermon on the Mount. It's the first one out of the gate, first one when we started doing his full time ministry on earth. And he spends the largest portion of his time of teaching on possessions, giving, and money. You ever thought about that? I mean, you know, they didn't have the economy structure like we have now. You ever thought about why he did that? I'll tell you why I think he did it. I think he did it because he knew it would be an absolute stumbling block to following him fully. He knew it would be a stumbling block. That's why he said in Matthew 19, 24, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And God and the Lord Jesus is not against people who have money and wealth because he has allowed lots of people to have money and wealth. Solomon was one of the richest men in the world. So was David, and David was a man after his own heart. 
So we can't say on one side he's against finances. He's not. He's not against you having a lot. What he is for is our priority structure and what we do with it. It's all about priorities. And that whole passage about a rich man not being able to enter in, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. It's not really really the eye of a needle. It's like a gate that was so small that the camel had to stoop down and the camel couldn't get through because his big fat hump couldn't make it through. And that's a message about self-sufficiency and greed and covetedness that can happen when we have money because we think we don't need God anymore. The backpack is so full, we can't do what we need to do for the kingdom of God. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, I'm going to read this. I'm going to break down a few things for us as we close out this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. So don't store up treasures. And again, remember that seek ye first is sandwiched at the end of this teaching. This is where he gives the most attention in his first sermon ever on the face of the earth. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths can eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Where you say, well, that has nothing to do about money. Not so much. Has nothing to do with possessions. Not so much. Because the eye is the gateway to the soul. To the heart. What we see, we begin to covet. What we see, we begin to want. What we see, we will make every effort to own. No one can serve two masters. You'll hate one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you, don't worry about every day of your life. Don't worry. I'll be happy. I'm sure he did that little ditty. I don't worry. I'll be happy. You know? Wherever you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your Heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No. Why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Don't they don't work or make their clothing? Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed even as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today thrown in the fire tomorrow, He'll certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Live righteously, and all these things will be added unto you. It will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. 
Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen? Amen. So here's the message. What are your priorities? If you were to list them, what are they? Do, do they line up with the kingdom of God? Message. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Do, do they fall under the umbrella of Jesus' mission of serving and giving and inviting and loving and just carrying out this, this God on earth representation and sharing the gospel of reconciliation and love and forgiveness? Is, do your priorities, do our priorities fall under that umbrella? Because if it's important to you, you will prioritize accordingly. You know, when my heart went crazy, well, it wasn't actually my heart, but it was all the stuff going to my heart and veins. When I had the surgery, I had to prioritize things in my life a little differently. At least I would like to think that I should prioritize my food and diet better, but I did have to make some adjustments, supposedly. There's things she doesn't know. I told she's not here today, so I can go all over this. <laughs> Hi, baby. It took me 60 years to get to this, and it'll be another 64 falls apart again. I'm just, I'm just saying. No, I, I had, I had to make some adjustments. I had to prioritize the way I do life, just in general. I had to simplify so many things, and we have this little sign in our house that says "Simplify." And for the longest time, I thought it was the most ridiculous sign we had in our house. Simplify what? Well, when God encounters you, and He reveals some things. Then all of a sudden, simplify because, oh, well, I get what that means. The value of my life changed. How I value life, how I value my time, how I value a lot of things, priorities shifted. So we know that, that, that serving and giving and inviting and loving are, are tenets of Jesus' mission. And it's, it's under the umbrella of the value of the kingdom. Do we value the kingdom? Then we have to line up with what Jesus does, right? So I want to go back to that real small part of that passage, verse 24. I don't know if we can pull that up. Can you pull that up, verse 24? Thank you. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so what I read to you while ago says you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Because that's the same thing. Now think about that for a minute. The average American spends a major chunk of their life working and saving towards retirement. You can't count the first 20 years because they're just kind of lost in the world of we're finding ourselves. But then somewhere around the 20s, we get our head and our brain and we start doing a few things. And so from about 20 to 60, some 40 years... We do this big thing of working and saving, working and saving, and working and saving to maybe enjoy it for five or ten more years. We invest thousands, and then some maybe attain that 
half a million or a million mark by a certain point in their life. Maybe that was a priority early on in their life and that was a goal, whatever. But they have it. And the thing is, we know in today's market, you can lose it in a millisecond. What little I have, I quit looking at it because, man, that's disgusting. The drops and the losses. But see, the thing is, when we invest in the kingdom of God, it's never lost because it's eternal. Because it's about the souls of people. It's about the lives of people. When we do church work, when we do kingdom work, it's all about can we take someone who's far from God and bring them closer to God? Can we help a family that's broken be restored? Can we help a marriage that is literally falling apart to maybe cling to one thread of hope and get there? Here's what I know about investing in the kingdom. In order to advance the priorities of the kingdom, we cannot be enslaved to money. If we're going to advance the kingdom properly the way he would want us to, we cannot be tight-fisted, enslaved to the almighty dollar. Because when the kingdom advances and we let loose, God blesses. God has always used people who are committed to the kingdom. And he's always blessed people who are committed to the kingdom. Amen for some of you who know that. You've invested, you've poured into the kingdom of God, you have given freely and you've seen God just pour back over and over and over again. I said it last week, I'll say it again, I'll say it the next three weeks, you cannot outgive God. You can't. And some of you are saying, oh, yeah, I don't know my situation, and I know that. I understand some of us say, I don't have it. You don't understand my situation. It is not about you having it. It's about God giving what you have and you trusting God with it. It's all about priorities. It's not about money. It's about priorities. If our priorities are straight and in line with the kingdom, money's never an arguable tenet of it. It just isn't. What's the kingdom like? What's the kingdom like? It, it's, it's like this, this seed, this small seed. It's like this mustard seed. It's like it's like this yeast. And, and what little that we put forth in faith, sometimes we think, oh my gosh, that's nothing at all. God can take that faith seed of obedience and he can make it bigger than you could ever imagine. That's what I've always enjoyed about the Baptist faith, by the way, which is really the covering of this church. Many of you don't know that, but we are Southern Baptists. Some of you just went, oh, really? <laughs> we are. <clears throat> but for years, Baptists have had this wonderful cooperation. That's what it's called, the cooperative program. A cooperation of if Elson gives $10 and First Church somewhere gives $100,000, they combine that and it goes forth and gets spread out. The seed is the seed of faith. 
And so for some it might be ten, for some it might be a thousand. And so in comparison, you don't look at it and say, well, I can never do a thousand, but then you do ten. And it comes together, and that seed of faith is put forth in faith, and God multiplies it. And thousands of missionaries are are, are sustained through cooperative giving of several thousand churches. What a novel idea that we would work together. You see, no, no seed of giving is too small. No seed of giving is too great. It's the problem of no seed at all that is concerned. So how do we know? We're closing this out. How do we know? How do we know if we're, if we're truly sinking the kingdom? I mean, you say, Pastor, what you know, I, I think I'm sinking the kingdom of God, and, and I want to seek the kingdom. How do I know? What's it look like? I mean, can you tell me what might look like if I'm seeking the kingdom of God? And I think it's just very simply answered in that thing of alignment. Is what you say you are, your values and priorities, does that reflect you? same. I'm a kingdom agent. The kingdom of God lives in me. The rule and the reign of God lives in me. That means I am totally surrendered to his purposes, his ways, and his will. That means that I follow the mission of Jesus. That if he's serving, I'm serving. If he's giving, I'm giving. If he's inviting, I'm inviting. If he's loving, I'm loving. And I'm doing all these things in a full surrendered life. And whatever he asks of me, I say yes. So the question is, where do I primarily spend my energies and my time and my money? Do I spend it on things that will burn and eventually perish? Or do I invest in the kingdom of God? Now listen carefully, because some, some people could listen to this and go, go, man, that's just way off. Because it, it almost sounds like Jesus is saying, live carelessly. Just don't worry. Uh, be happy. I mean, it just sounds like he's just like, don't worry. It's just the wind. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about anything. Just don't worry. I mean, it sounds really thoughtless and careless. What Jesus is saying is what I said in verse 34. You're going to be enslaved to one thing or you're going to be enslaved to another if the kingdom of God rules in your life, then you're trusting that as you live life, he's going to provide. He's going to take care of you. We all have our stories. We all have our stories. In fact, that's one of the things I'd like to hear maybe over the next several weeks is your story of God's faithfulness when you gave him what you have. And saw the return. When you when you gave, when you tithed, when you offered everything that you had financially, you said, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm going to just give it to you, Lord. I'm going to trust you with it. Now, one of the things that I realized, and it happens every time, and again, I think part of it is because it goes back to, it feels like that two things, I hear this all the time, 
The church is always asking about money. Nah, wrong answer there. How many times do we talk about money in this church? Maybe half a dozen. And it's usually right around budget time because we're looking at the paper and we're looking at the figures and we're like, well, how's this going to work? I don't know. I, I looked at the last two years and I am absolutely astonished that we still have the doors open. I'm not lying to you. I'm not lying. I look at it and I say, this shouldn't work. This doesn't add up on paper. That's why the kingdom is like the mustard seed and the yeast. Even though it looks small, even though it looks insignificant, even though it looks unsubstantial, when you do it in faith, it permeates and it spreads. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And we're faced again. We're looking at another year and I'm going, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. Then I realized I do this every day at home, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Honey, no. No. No, no bananas this week. It's not, no, no. No, really what it is is no presents for the babies. All done. Cut it off. This thing on Amazon has killed us. Good Lord, have mercy. Push a button and it just comes to the door. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that in church? Push a button, it comes to the door. It will. It will. It will if you and I have the faith of a mustard seed and we will sow seeds of faith. Amen? Amen. Stay with me. Pastor Jerry, it's so good to see you this morning. Thanks for dropping in on us and surprising us with a good visit. You want to close out in prayer? All right, why don't you come up here and do that? How many of you do not know Pastor Jared and Shannon? You've never met him. You don't even know who the guy is. Okay, all right, good. He was our youth pastor for years, associate pastor for years. A lot of these grew up in that system. And you, some, how many of you in here were part of Jared's ministry? Okay, Rebecca, good. Isn't she amazing? Like, Rebecca, isn't that amazing? That's all you, man. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She finally grew up. That's what happens in the kingdom of God. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for being here. God bless you. We're going to have Jared pray us out. And uh, let's be faithful with what he's given us. Invest in eternal things. I'm not telling you not to invest in your 401. That's all part of it. I think there's a balance there. In fact, there's teaching from the word to do that thing too. But we do both. We invest and we invest. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we love you. This morning we surrender ourselves to you. Our finances, our love, our children, God, our homes. God, we surrender all of that to you. We give it all to you. God, you are the master of our eternity. You're the master of our lives here on earth. God, we want so much uh, to, to live your way. And so, Father, we pray for this group of people as we walk out of this room, God, that we leave here motivated to live more like you and motivated to tell others about how awesome you are. God, we pray for the health of this church, Lord, financially. Uh, God, that you would bring it in 
so that so that they can spend it in such a way uh, that, that it brings more people in and more people to you. God, you're an awesome and wonderful holy God, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.